Welcome to Breaker Culture Weekly. The guys from BreakerCulture.com help pull back the curtains and give you insight into the hobby. Sit back and enjoy interviews, product breakdowns, and hobby analysis so you can get your edge in the marketplace. And now, to the show. Yo, what's going on? This is Ty from Breaker Culture, and this is episode 61 of Breaker Culture Weekly. Thank you so much for listening and coming back each and every week and allowing us to do what we do. Uh, today, another fun, exciting, challenging guest, a gentleman named Mike Hodges, the uh, owner and mastermind behind The Clubhouse, formerly known as STL Sports Cards. Um, Really, really good interview. I think you're going to like it. We spent about an hour talking about uh, how he got started in breaking nine years ago, which is crazy. It's one of the, the longer standing, if not the longest standing breaker that I have talked to. Um, fun fact about Mike, he was actually the first breaker to break at the National nine years ago in Baltimore. So it's a funny story. You'll have to stay tuned to hear that. Um, but uh, but yeah, another interesting fact is that he actually lives about 15 minutes from us here in Kansas City. And uh, we've never talked or met face-to-face um, until today, which is kind of interesting. We have exchanged some messages over the years, but uh, but again, we live so stinking close and haven't had a chance to meet, so it's kind of kind of funny. Probably going to meet for the first time at the National. But, uh, but anyway, enjoy the interview. A lot of really good nuggets. It's some challenging, challenging approaches that he has that I think uh, if you're a business owner or just a hobbyist, I think it'll be, uh, it'll be, it'll be good for you to hear. So just stay tuned and listen to that. A couple other things real quick. I want to just thank you folks that take the time to fill out reviews for us on iTunes. Um, I know uh, I know it's relatively quick to do, but uh, it's <laughs> it's helpful. It's helpful when you do it. So I wanted to read a couple that I thought were, were good, a couple of the more recent ones. Uh, Barney Pelty uh, put a review out there a couple weeks ago. said, hey, host, make listening to topics about the hobby fun. I enjoy ladder talk and guest stars from people inside the industry like Tops and Beckett. So thank you, Barney Pelty. Uh, another one that I thought was really cool was uh, uh, Zerf underscore one. Said this is a great show for card collectors. I'm just getting back into collecting and this podcast helps to determine which products to purchase. It really helps to understand the current trends in collecting and also it's a very fun listen. So thank you both Zerf one and Barney Pelty um, for taking the time to fill out those reviews. I'll, I'll be sure to call out a couple more reviews each and every episode over the course of season three. So uh, if you don't, if you haven't done that, please jump on the iTunes and just uh, subscribe, fill out a quick review. You can just uh, click four or five stars, whatever, and then uh, type in your, your comments there, and that would be really, really helpful to us. So again, thank you for that. Now, a couple other things. One, we have spent some time putting out videos on our YouTube channel, We're trying to put a little more content uh, in that direction for you. We did a... We did a box opening and product review of 2019 Top Stadium Club, really as a response to what Shanice said in our last episode. It got me thinking, you know what, I, I want to see this product. And so I did. I put a product review out there, pulled a Pete Alonzo auto. We're giving that auto away. All you have to do is watch the five, six minute video and comment on the YouTube video. And this Friday, which would be tomorrow, July 12th, you'll be uh, entered into a giveaway for that card and the other five hits that we had. So uh, we have another one coming out this weekend, uh, a 2019 Goodwin Champions box. We're gonna give away all the hits from that box as well. So be uh, be on the lookout, subscribe on YouTube to our channel and uh, also pay attention to some of the NBA uh, Summer League stuff that we're putting out there that I think is uh, should be helpful. We're gonna pr- try to put a video out to just to summarize some of the great performances we've seen and some opportunities we see for different players. So anyway, trying to throw a lot of content out there. Thank you for supporting us. Breakerculture.com. Share our website. Talk about it. Make comments. It really helps us out and helps us understand what you like and what you don't like. Anyways, enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Hey, what's up, Michael? How are you? How you doing? Doing well. 
I think it's hilarious that you're literally 10 miles from me. We've never met. And this is the first time we've actually talked. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> small, small world. Uh, small world. Well, thank you so much for making time to jump on today. Excited no, to talk no, with you. Appreciate being on. So you uh, you run a site called the, Lo- the Clubhouse. I was going to say the Love House. The Love House. Mm. That's after dark. <laughs> the Clubhouse, formerly known as, and I think a lot of people probably know you as St. Louis STL Sports Cards. That's right. Yeah. When did you make the name change? Was that last year? Uh, well, it, it was kind of like a, it was a three-year process. We, we knew we wanted to do it, but we didn't want to do it overnight because we've been around for for six years as sales sports cards. And so Mm -hmm. we kind of did like a dual branding thing for 18 months and then switched over to the clubhouse logo. And actually I think still in our clubhouse logo, it says, uh, it has like a little tagline in there. It's kind of hidden, but an SEL sports cards community that yeah. way kind of all still ties together. But uh, yeah, for over the last three years, we kind of made that transition to a more, um, I don't know, less geographically centered name. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I'm looking at the logo now. You're right. I, I guess I didn't really pay attention to it, but yeah, I love it. Um, I was always confused at the beginning because I thought, are you from St. Louis? But I knew you were in Kansas city. So what, why, why the STL sports cards to begin with? Were you in St. Louis? Yes. So in the beginning, um, the first, you know, nine years later, it's a little, it looks small, but the first like six months of doing this thing, mm-hmm. um, I was in St. Louis. Uh, that's where my wife and I both are born and raised. Got and it. so, um, that's where we started. That's like all my sports loyalties. I mean, massive diehard blues fan, Cardinals fan, and just St. Louis was home. That's where we all grew up. So, um, and then we we moved to Kansas City. So now nine years later, almost having all of our existence here in Kansas City, it's kind of funny. But yeah, SCL's uh, home for for me and my wife. Got it. Got it. So do you still have the allegiances like the Cardinals and stuff? Or oh, absolutely. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. Kansas City. I've always. It's weird. I've been a Chiefs fan my whole life because my my grandparents are from here, and uh-huh. no one no one cares about the Rams in St. Louis, nor did they care about the Rams in St. Louis. So I always had a Kansas City football team. And then Cardinals and Blues were St. Louis. And then once we moved to, to uh, Kansas City, sporting soccer um, d- was kind of by default since yeah, we sense. didn't have one in St. Louis either. So. Right, right. I don't think people outside of the Midwest realize the type of like in-state rivalry the Cardinals and Royals have. Yeah. Like, it, not quite as bad as like a Mizzou and KU, but sure. very close. It's not as brutal just because like – you know, obviously, before the Royals won the World Series here a few years ago, like, yeah, it, it, it takes like both sides kind of like being good to create kind of that hateful rivalry, you know, right. which is the KU Mizzou rivalry kind of. Yeah. But with the Royals and Cardinals, it was almost always kind of like a like young younger brother, you know, kind of. Like, <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. <laughs> like not the not the belittle like the Royals thing, but like no, the argument Royals. did it lasted ten seconds. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I mean, there's not much to talk about in terms of like success. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's it's always fun. Like, in, and even being here, being a Cardinals fan when the Royals won the World Series, it was awesome. Like, you, you want your you want the town you live in to to experience that, and it, it's still fun, even if you don't really have a, a vested interest in your that team winning. Sure, it's still good for the city. So it's fun. Yeah, no doubt. We, I mean, basically every conversation would default to, well, you know what, 1985. What about that? Right. No longer. Like, <laughs> no longer. No longer. That's funny. So are you a Mizzou guy then? Being out of uh, You know, college is weird. Like, uh, I watch all college sports. Um, I love college sports and mm-hmm. I have like no allegiance to college sports. If Mizzou's on and they're playing, I'm going to root for them because they're kind of the, the team growing up that I remember listening to Mizzou football on the radio. But I really, I, I get to enjoy college sports without having to like stress out about my team Hmm. Um, so i that's one of the favorite things i love about the college sports i can watch any game anytime and really enjoy it because i don't have a vested interest in one side or the other you know i'll pick one just because that's fun but um, i don't have a a loyalty to any school uh, for college sports so you're switzerland for college come on man (laughs) you know and and I, i never picked the winner like I, I have a sucky track record at college, so um, <laughs> you don't want me rooting for your team. Trust me. There you go. That's awesome. Um, well, cool, man. Let's talk a little bit about kind of your origin. Like you've been doing this for a while, yeah. Which, and we were just talking beforehand. You were one of the you were the first breaker at the national nine years ago in Baltimore, which is mind blowing. And we'll get into that here in a little bit. But kind of how did you start, and kind of how did you get to where you are now? 
Sure. Uh, origin story is essentially I was in college. My wife and I both were in college um, getting our degrees in religious education. I was working at a church as a youth minister. Um, it broke nice. as a joke. Um, <laughs> and so I bought a $90 box from the uh, local shop in St. Louis and had a YouTube following from opening mail days um, on YouTube and essentially took that box of artifacts hockey is what it was and um, did a single box break and the rest is history kind of evolved to like one night a week to two nights a week to three nights a week to you know five nights a week to doing all the events and and all that good stuff Uh, and it it kind of was born out of it's what I love to do and at the time it was a it was a way to you know make an extra 20 bucks (laughs) um like I said, we were absolutely as broke as a joke. And so um, making 20 bucks, opening a few boxes of cards, it was like, oh, this is amazing. You know, yeah. getting to hang out with my my friends, at the, you know, YouTube friends at the time. Um, it, it was just a no brainer. So, um, yeah, that's kind of it kind of it was born out of born out of love for the hobby and, and necessity for um, finding a way to make things work um, while we were Crazy. going through school and, and married. So. Crazy. So let's let's timestamp that. That's 2010, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's like the fall of 2010. Which is insane because, I mean, who who were the other breakers around at that time? There wasn't many. Um, no, there are only a few. Um, the the one that sticks out that's still around is just is Firehand. Okay. Um, me and Chad go way back. Um, but anyone else who was around at the time, like, because at the time it wasn't even with you know with with Chad and I, it, like, it wasn't. It wasn't business, you know, like it wasn't a right. It wasn't a company, you know, it was legit YouTube channels and we were just, you know, hanging out with friends, you know. And so even at the time, like the people that were doing it then, um, like none of them are around because most of the people that were doing it, like had no intention of like it becoming a thing, you know. Right. Um, it, it was it was still super niche. And so, um, yeah, I mean, Chad's like the only one you had you had the boys up in Canada. um Clutes and Chara, mm-hmm. who were like hockey only at that time. Um, so I mean, that's the only that's the only people I can think of that were breaking. Yeah, because um, you had Layton come on a little bit later than that, and yeah. then Mojo like, and those guys like, like two, twelve. Yeah, exactly. A year or two later, you had quite a few more of like kind of the mainstream guys. But uh, yeah, back then, I mean, it was that's all I could. That's literally the only guys I could think of. I can think of, I, I, I can picture guys who were doing it. Um, yeah. Like, and it was just under their name, and I don't even—I can't even I can't even think of some of their names, but I can still <laughs> picture their videos. Like literally, there'd be guys like doing group breaks in their car. Like they—they buy the box at the store, and they're immediately posting it because it wasn't live. You know, it was all just posted right. on YouTube, and so they'd be breaking it in the car at the shop and uploading a YouTube video. And so I remember—I just remember channels. Um, another one though is he wasn't group breaking at the time. Is is Chris at Cards Infinity? Ah, um, uh, for sure. Um, who, yep. who was just doing box breaks? So. For a long time, that was all he did, and that was his, his model. So, um, can't forget, can't forget, uh, Cards Infinity, Chris yeah. Justice. No so. kidding. Yeah, true founding father, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's cool. You know, it's funny. You don't hear a lot of this, at least in the last two or three years, a lot of breakers saying, "I started this out of passion for the hobby." Because, and if they do, you can kind sure. of sense it's not real true. Like they see an opportunity in the business world, so they jump into it. No, I love sure. that some of no. you guys early on really did start it out of passion for the hobby, not even thinking, you know what, this could become a full-time job. Right. And I think that's where like a lot of the, uh, I think that's where like a lot of the protectiveness of each other comes from, you know, yep. like, like I said, me and me, me and Chad are, are super tight. A lot of, a lot of the original guys, like we're all super tight. Um, and a lot of that's just because like, like we've, we've seen this thing go from, from infant mm-hmm. to, I mean, it's, let's just be honest, like it's the biggest pie of the industry um, um, from a from a dollar standpoint, how much wax is being open. It's, it's where all the wax is going. And so um, it's it's we've seen it grow from through all that. And you see people enter at all the at all the points, you know, and at this point, you know, you, everyone is entering. You're seeing people who are quitting like, you know, pretty solid jobs to become a breaker, whatever that means. Um, right. Right. Uh, and, and so you're seeing that and like, you're saying like a lot of the passion isn't there and the, the stuff that drove g- growth along the way, which was the passion for it and, and finding ways to better it. Um, is not there anymore in some, in some cases? And so 
um, I think that's where the protective nature kind of comes in, um, in a way. Yeah, I can get that. I can get that for sure. And you, you there's a, there's a clan, a, a pretty close clan of you guys where you guys all protect each other, look out for each other's back. Right. I, I love it. Right. It's good stuff. Um, you guys all get together, kind of the founding fathers get together at the national every year. Uh, national sort of, um, we're, we're all super busy at the national. Well, I mean, obviously we see each other, but right. you know, we'll see each other at the, you know, at, you know, the VIP parties and whatnot, but typically the best times of the year are, uh, industry summit is a good time. Cause that's business pretty much strictly business. Got um, it. so we don't, we don't have to worry about, you know, breaks and customer facing things and whatnot. It's all meetings and yeah. essentially the, the whole thing is planned to, to spend time together. So the tops conference, all, all of those, all those different conferences, those are great times that we all get to, to meet up, hang out, see each other's families. A lot of times we bring our families along. And so, um, yeah, it's always good. Nice. Nice. All right. So let's, let's go back to, um, kind of the, I guess, 2010 to 2013, 14, I'm guessing at what point in there did you realize, you know what, there's something here. And did you start to shift away from doing this part time and really start to devote a lot of time into making it a business? Sure. Um, yeah. So 2010 into 2011, we moved to Kansas City mm -hmm. um, in the spring of 2011. And so at that time, I uh, it was I mean, it was one night a week. I was, you know, uh, because of how little I was making um, working at the church at the time, it, you know, it, it made it easy to comp compensate for all that. Um, but it wouldn't have been enough to like, actually like, you know, make a living on and, and support a family on. And so at that time we moved here and, um, uh, I actually worked at a cigar shop all, all day full time. And then I would come home and you, the, the shop closed at 10 at night and I would come home at 10 and go live. Um, and usually break from like 10 PM to 2 AM, go to bed, wake up in the morning, go back to work and do it all over again. And so, um, did that for like, um, a solid year. Then we added a couple, then we added a night and went to two nights a week. Then we did three nights a week. Um, and so just slowly did that. Um, but it was in 20, uh, early 2012, I believe either mm -hmm. into 2011 or early 2012, where I went to my wife and I said, I, I think if, if you let me do this, um, it'd be hard for a while, but if you let me just devote everything I've got into, into, to this, I think we're going to be happier. And in the long run, I'll be able to support our family much better than, you know, working at a cigar shop while we were a part of a church plant in Kansas City. So, um, so yeah, at that point, that's when my wife graciously uh, allowed me to step out onto this journey that now, <laughs> almost a decade later, we are still on. <laughs> that's amazing. That is cool. So you, 2012, and then when did you? When would you say you kind of felt like you know what? I made the right decision, or did you know immediately after doing? I mean, it? I I kind of knew immediately just because cool. I knew I'm a very uh, I'm a very driven entrepreneurial like person. So I knew that given the time and the day to do it, um, I could do it. Um, and so at that point it was just about, you know, back then it wasn't about getting customers and whatnot. Honestly, back then it was about building relationships in the hobby uh, because as a, as a breaker back then, I mean, getting product was impossible. Mm. Um, you know, for the first few years you had to, you had to buy from like retailers. And so you had to find a way to make money while dealing with retailers to get your product. And so back then it was more, that that's what I was focused on was finding, finding relationships within the hobby that would, um, help us be able to, to sell at retail and make money, not have to, to like make deals at, at retail. And so, um, mm. yeah, I spent most of my days just like building those relationships and, uh, reaching out to, you know, all the manufacturers and distributors and wholesalers and everything, you know, any Avenue I could yeah. um, to do that. So, but yeah, I'd say, I'd say right away. I mean, I knew we made the right choice. Um, you know, cause it's, it's, it's never been about the money. So, you know, the second the bills were paid, it was like, all right, like this is, yeah. this is great, you know? And so, um, that same feeling exists, you know, to this day, you know, it's, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. It's funny. You mentioned early on having to buy retail through retail channels, right. and distribution issues. It's almost like from a new breaker perspective, we've come sure. full circle to that same no, issue. For sure. 100%. <laughs> yeah. It actually blew my mind. Um, <clears throat> You know, obviously dealing and and being in the position we are, we have a lot of former and current customers who mm -hmm. branch off and want to try to start breaking. And it blows my mind when I hear that like people 
decide to like start doing this as a business and they're buying at retail. And I'm like, what? Like, which I guess back then we did too, you know? Um, and now like you're saying full circle, a lot of times that's the only option because distributors aren't, you know, picking up new people and allocations are zero and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy to think about it, but yeah, new breakers right now are pretty much dealing with what we were dealing with 10 years ago. Yeah. And I think it's, it's kind of a good thing. Oh, 100% <laughs> you know, a good thing. Yeah, you, yeah. you can make money selling retail or buying retail, and then you can make money when you eventually get to that point of being able to work with the distributor. So it's a good thing. Right. 100%. Um, so 2012, and then you were STL sports cards for, obviously, for the next six, seven years. Um, right. Kind of what, what was your what was your MO early on as a breaker? Was there anything you did that was kind of unique? And maybe how yeah, did that evolve so... early on? In the beginning, we were like 90% hockey um, uh, only because that's what I like. That's what I I play hockey. I have passion for hockey. I follow the blues are my biggest loyalty of all of them. I'm a diehard Cardinals fan, but blues is like, don't mess with me. Mm. Um, And so uh, hockey, I just had a passion for. And I think that anything you have a passion for comes through in the final product. And Mm -hmm. so anytime I'm breaking hockey, um, especially early on, um, it was just a better end product because the entertainment factor was there. Um, the knowledge factor was there. Um, and so that's what we did a lot of. Um, and then from a production standpoint, still to this day, um, we have a reverse overhead camera view um, for all of our breaks. Which I love. And yeah, people, it's like a love or hate thing. Like, obviously, it's it's not what people do anymore, but uh, it's what I've always done. And it gives me just so much table to work with i hate multiple camera angle views mm-hmm. i hate when like there's a breaker screen where there's like four cameras a spreadsheet and, and i'm just like what the heck like yeah to me that lose you lose quality of production in that in that instance mm-hmm. uh, and so i just love having the overhead view where i can keep everything in one frame and and it's hard to i, I didn't know this until a few months ago i had for the first time ever i had someone else break besides me mm-hmm. um, i was out of town uh for a, a wedding and he was like, dude, I tried to do the overhead. I, I can't read the card, show the card, <laughs> and know what I'm opening at all at the same time. And so I've got to do the other view. Like, I just have to. So I was like, I didn't realize that it was like, that it took, you know, just doing it forever to for that to feel normal and natural. But um, so, yeah, that's kind of been our, our visual MO has been the overhead view. And hmm. uh, we started with hockey, but then, I mean, by, by the second year, um, we were mixing in probably 20% football, baseball, basketball, you know, all the sports. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the big, I mean, honestly, the big change happened. We were doing 80% hockey and then, uh, Panini lost their hockey license. Mm. So that was 13, 14. And so, I mean that, I mean, whenever that news came out, um, I mean, that was gut check because, uh, upper deck, they don't deal with breakers. And so at the time I was starting to buy that at, you know, just below retail. I had, I had some relationships where I was getting a decent price on it, but I wasn't making hardly anything on upper deck hockey at the time. And so, um, Panini was, I was able to buy through distributor. And so whenever they lost their hockey license, I mean, I'm looking at my wife going, Holy crap, there goes 80% of what I break. Interesting. Uh, And so that made me get uncomfortable. That made me start learning even more about all the other sports. And, uh, that's when we, we really started pushing football, baseball, uh, even harder basketball. Um, and then anything else we could break soccer, you know, there was a lot of other alternative sports at that time, um, card wise, but, um, yeah, that's when we, that really made us stretch and, um, take a bigger jump. Um, to me, that was the bigger jump than even going full time in the beginning was, was holy crap. How do we pivot from, panini hockey to no panini hockey so, yeah what, what would you say was the hard part about that was it le- from your perspective having to learn new sports or was it you having to go get clients that wanted to buy yeah. different sports was it but, getting clients? by that point yeah i think by that point being two years in three years in um it, it was definitely a client thing because mm. my clients have become so in tune to you know three cases of hockey in a night right one case of baseball one case of football or something like that and now all of a sudden, like, I was like, oh, man, you know, I need I need to beef up my football and baseball if I'm going to keep hitting targets that I have. Um, and so I need more customers to do that. Hmm. And so um, it ultimately was you had growth in the customer side. But also what we saw was we had a lot of we had a, a lot of guys who did hockey only who once Panini lost their license, they kind of branched out as well with us. And so um, it kind of it worked out in the end. And 
yeah, here we are today. <laughs> no kidding. What, what would you say w- would be the balance now? Uh, uh, like completely even across the board. Really? That's cool. Yeah, like every That's single cool. night we try to hit every sport. So um, <laughs> it, the only the only uh, caveat on that would be a release night like tonight. It's a triple release night with uh, with uh, gold standard football, diamond icons baseball, archive six baseball. So we're focusing on those. But like on a normal night last night we did, I don't know, we did Chronicles basketball, noir basketball, a big old hockey break, big baseball break, uh, and uh, elite football. So we did. We try to do everything every night. So. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that approach. Um, so I guess put yourself back in 2014, 15. What were some of the things you were doing to acquire customers that were working really well? And I'm going to assume a lot of this stuff doesn't work as well now. But what was working back then? Yeah. Well, what the the marketing I've always used. I mean, it works today just like it did back then. Yep. Um, I. I have bought one ad ever. Um, I do all word of mouth. I don't do any advertising. Um, That's it. (laughs) I don't believe it. Uh, Yeah. It can't be possible. Yeah, I flushed money down the toilet one time. Um, I did a big long ad and this isn't, this isn't to say anything negative, uh, but I did a big, I did a, like a a year long commitment on the homepage of cardboard connection, probably five years ago, six years ago. Um, and it wasn't, I mean, it just didn't, it didn't, it didn't pay off, Yeah, you know, for how much it cost. And, um, and it, up until that point, I'd only used word of mouth. And ever since then, I've only used word of mouth. And I mean, don't get me wrong, like, you know, a podcast with you guys or a podcast with Beckett or, you know, whatever, but millions of new customers coming your way. Just prepare yourself. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's, but for real, I mean, it's, it's, there's no better marketing than, a happy customer. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's one of those things where maybe once I'm, I, and I don't even tell my customers, I, I, I'm, it's, it's probably the place, one spot where I could improve vastly is marketing. But like, I don't even tell my customers rarely to like, to tell people like maybe once a month, I'll be like, Hey guys, like if you guys want, you know, you want to grow, tell your, tell your friends, you've had a good time, tell your friends, you know, like, um, but we, we want our community to be what our community wants it to be. And so, um, I find whenever you go out and you do mass marketing, spend a bunch of money on a Facebook ad or, you know, what, you know, a website, uh, whatever, which one it may be in our hobby. Um, I just find that you start attracting customers that don't necessarily match hmm. the, the membership base that you already have. And so much of what I do is culture based and community based and relationship based that when you start throwing wild cards in, it, it can really screw that up. And so, um, yeah, I'm 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 never gonna be the uh, the the platinum of breakers because that's not the angle I want. Um, I'm not about quantity of product. I'm about quality of of environment and quality of community. Um, the cards are almost second nature. Uh, hmm. It's just what we it's just what we all enjoy together. Right. What the cards are, and so that's kind of the angle we've always had, and um, it kind of stems from my pre-breaking days uh being in youth ministry mm-hmm. everything everything's about relationship building and and creating that sense of community so that's where we that's where we hang out yeah no i, I love that and, you know it's funny organizations breakers whatever doesn't matter the or the i guess the niche or right genre a lot of breakers these days think there's an easy way an easy path <laughs> a cheat code to gaining customers no and I wish. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, and look, you're right. You, there is a way you can put a lot of money towards advertising. You can grow your business, but right. you know, you've identified who your target customer is, what their demographics usually going to be, what their personality is going to be, and you tailor your business towards them. Right. And that's an amazing thing. Like that's that's how you organically grow a business. And I right, I love it. I think yeah, that's it, cool. It's, that's just yeah. I don't know. That's the only way I know how to do it. <laughs> I yeah. just you know what I mean. Like I. Generally, our our our, our normal our, our normal member, you know, they they value customer service and the intangibles. You know what I mean? We all sell the same. We all sell the same product. You know, right? Uh, no one has bigger hitties than anyone else. You know, and so, uh, in in that sense, the only thing I can bring to the table to elevate our community is is what I bring to the table. You know, hmm. and that's you know the customer service and the community aspect. That's all I can do. You know, uh, right. everyone's going to say, you know, come come to you know, you know big hit, big hit breaks, you know, for the best hits, but you know, that's all crap. And we know that. And so, um, <laughs> we try to stay away from the kind of the, the gimmicky, uh, gimmicky advertising and, and just, uh, yeah, BS, BS. <laughs> you mean you don't pull fire every night? 
I mean, we do, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I mean, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, we do and we enjoy it, and like, but that doesn't make us, that, that's not what makes us better, right. you know what I mean? Right. I, and I think that's what too many people get, they get wrapped up in. They, they see a big hit from a breaker and they're like, oh my gosh, they pull the craziest cards. And it's like, if that's why, that's not our customer, you know what I mean? Like, yep. that is not, that's not our member, is someone who gets so, so set on going to the guy who just pulled the biggest card because we all know that's luck. We all know that it doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are, anyone could pull the biggest hit. And so uh, that's just not the customer we want. So. Yeah. Let's talk about community then. So you, yeah. you, you realized community was so important. What were you doing early on? Because, I mean, let's face it, you're the only time really that you have with that, that group, that community is during the break. Sure. What were you doing to really infuse that group with this idea of, hey, we're a community? Were you, were you focusing on a platform like a Facebook? Were you doing things in the chat room? What worked well for you? Right. Well, back in the day, it was a little harder um, because in the very, very, very beginning, there, a lot of this wasn't live. It was all YouTube. And right. so uh, then we finally got blog TV. Um, once blog TV happened, then, then obviously the, the chat room kind of became the uh, community hub uh, per se. Uh, and so, you know, driving community in there, you know, I'm not, we, we didn't just jump on, rip wax, jump off. Uh, that, that wasn't our, that wasn't our model. Yep. Uh, we'd get on, talk life. I mean, literally, I mean, I, I, we constantly have, have members coming, you know, just wanting to talk about, you know, divorce or death or illness or whatever. And, and, and I want them to know no matter how new of a customer, how, no matter how small of a customer, no matter how long-term of a customer, like, like that's an important part of, of my satisfaction at the end of a day, at the end of a week and at the end of my life, um, is knowing that like I made a positive impact on people. And so I try to, I try to have that aspect, um, be something that all of our members are aware of, um, and value. And so chat rooms early on. And then, um, you know, we went, we went to, um, after many years, we went to breakers TV whenever that came out. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't really the atmosphere, um, that, I was comfortable with for our group. And so, um, at that point for the first time ever, I was so late to this game, but for the first time ever, we made a Facebook group. Um, and I was like, why didn't I think about this? Like, it's like the easiest way to get people to like interact as people because mm -hmm. you know, you have this real person profile. Um, and so we made a Facebook group, um, man, it's only been like, I don't know, three or four years maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's kind of like our central hub for, the community aspect of things. Mm -hmm. Um, and then with our, our new website, all the breaks happen there, all the chat happens there. The big, the big, uh, push for our website was we were seeing that everything was getting split. Now everyone talks about now, like, Hey, we simulcast on YouTube, Facebook live, Twitter, Instagram, breakers, TV, Twitch, you know, all these Ustream, And they're like, we, we broadcast everywhere. And I was like, but that's completely counterintuitive to creating community. You know, I need all my chatters in one place because that's where the community happens. And so um, we were broadcasting four different places and I went, you know what, we need to have a we need to have a central hub for this. Facebook became very unstable um, over the last year. And so luckily we are already very deep into our site construction. Mm -hmm. And so now all of our breaks happen live on our site and um that's where everyone hangs out and talks at night while we're breaking. And then, um, when we're not breaking live, everyone's in the group on Facebook. So hmm. it almost seems too easy. Right. You've identified these things that just make perfect logical sense. Sure. Right. <laughs> Overcomplicating things. You've, you've, you've right. avoided I mean, that. we really did. For, I mean, I, and I was part of it. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, like I said, I got to a point where I went, wait a second, we're, we're broadcasting four different places. I've got people, <laughs> I've got people chatting on YouTube. I've got people hilarious. chatting on Twitch, on Facebook Live. Like, what am I doing? Like, they're all split, and they can't. I can see them all because I had I had a program consolidating my chat, but they can't. Right. You know, and so that's yeah. I had I had a well, come on, man, moment. So, <laughs> love it, absolutely love it. That's cool. Um, interesting. So, at what point did you did you realize that I you, you got to have someone to sort? You got to have someone else to help <laughs> kind of manage media and all that stuff because I know you have some other folks working for you. When did you realize that? Um, my wife probably realized it first. Um, of course. So yeah, your right. wife does. In, in, 20, in 2015 and 16, um, between breaking, sorting, shipping, you know, ordering and social media, everything, I was, I was doing like 100-hour weeks minimum. Wow. Um, yeah. And so I was doing all of it. 
And, that's real uh, too. Like people probably laugh when they hear that, but that's real. Like that's a hundred that, real hours. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like le- legitimately waking up and going to sleep in the office. Like the, I there I would do nothing else. Um, <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, fourteen hour days were absolutely normal. Um, seven days a week. Um, it was just wow. how it was. And so um, I'd, I'd get in the office at, at 7.30 in the morning, and most nights I want to leave until midnight or after. Um, and so anyway, th- I was doing that, and like it was normal for me. And like I said, I'm a, I'm, I'm a pretty uh, motivated guy, like, so I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not naturally lazy. And so mm-hmm. if someone doesn't stop me, I don't, I don't stop me. And so I was doing that for a few years and just getting exhausted. As I got older, I was getting exhausted, and uh, we had a – we had a new baby, um, and I was just exhausted. And so, um, at that point I was like, all right, I need to, I need to find someone to help me sort. Um, I was like, I'm spending, you know, half of my, half of my, and probably 30 hours a week sorting. Um, as if I can, if I can have someone doing that, it's something that's easily trainable and, um, it allow me to free up a few hours and then focus on things that I've neglected, um, in the business over the last couple of years. So that's when I did that. Um, and, um, the first order didn't work out as well. Got my, and, and, and in that not working out, I, I figured out what is needed in a, in a personality type to be a sorter found that. And he is actually standing to my left right now, sorting away right now. So nice. <laughs> and so, I keep all my sorting in house. A lot of, a lot of breakers outsource sorting. Um, it's just something that, I'm very OCD. Um, and one of the things that was, is, is mind blowing is, is you can imagine in almost 10 years of doing this, we've sent out over a hundred, I mean, a hundred thousand plus packages easy. Um, and we have had in 10 years, maybe seven packages that just, we don't know where they are. Wow. Uh, so I'm very OCD in the process of sorting, packaging, shipping, and getting them to our customers. And I, I had, I, in hiring, I knew I couldn't, I couldn't compromise any of that. And so it took a very specific person and just process to allow someone else to do that and maintain those types of standards. So, yeah, that makes sense. So you stand right next to you. You your chance yeah. to encourage him. What, what, uh, you said, you know, the personality now in this order. What, yeah. what, what did you look for? What did you realize you had to have? Well, you definitely need someone, and this is going to come off maybe kind of negative, but like it's not at all, and he knows this, but like someone who's kind of a bit of a loner um, because you, you can't talk and sort. You can't, you know what I mean? You can't interact and sort. You've got you've to be completely focused on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so um, he's got like, to be able to sit next to me all day and hear me talking or doing whatever and stay on task and stay focused on what he's doing. Um, and so that, that's a big thing. Um, my first order needed a lot of like talking and interaction and, <laughs> like and I can't interact because I need, I have stuff I need to do and, and he can interact cause like you need to sort. And so, um, so yeah, that, that was a big part of it and just attention to detail, you know, um, it, it's just a huge part of it. It's, it's staying focused. It, if you take your mind off of it one time, you'll do something. And, and the problem is, if you do, if you're doing it that way, you have no way of backtracking. You know what I mean? Like because of how we sort and, and mm-hmm. ship, if if we lose a card or something's, or if a customer goes, Hey, I just got my package and this card wasn't in it because of how we sort, I can go to, I can go to Matt and I can go, Hey, this guy didn't get it. Um, he got these cards and then he can, he can go back in the process and go, Oh, this is where I went. Then if he didn't get it, then it, it had to have gone here. And then we can, we can easily find that card. Um, later on. And so that's, that's something that's missing in a lot of, a lot of, um, break operations is the typical response to that would be, Hey, let us, you know, we'll, we'll refund you for the value of the card. And that's, that's the end of it. And so for us, we'd rather make it whole and, mm-hmm. and find the card. And so that's part of the process of everything. So interesting. I love it. As, as you're saying, loner doesn't like to, or doesn't, doesn't want to be interacted with as much. I'm thinking that's a cat versus a dog, right? That's the right, personality right. you want. <laughs> I'm not saying Matt's a cat. I'm sure Sorry, Matt's, Matt. Matt's probably sweet, dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm sure you and your little circle of, uh, of close breakers of all shared stories of the wrong hires and stuff. So I'm sure you got sure. some, some oh, yeah. funny backgrounds sure. there. 
wrong hires and chargebacks. That's that's all the stories are. Oh my gosh, no kidding. What what else did you figure that uh, figure out that Matt could be doing outside of sorting to help your business? So yeah, Matt does everything. No, he is a jack of all trades for real though. Uh, if you know, if we have a we list cards on consignment for our customers. So mm. um, if they want a card consigned, they they email our shipping email, and that's Matt, and he gets that scanned, posted. And handles that on eBay. Does all of our eBay uh, shipping as well. Um, he does a lot of our. Um, if I'm breaking and we need something posted to the site, he does all that while I'm breaking. I mean, he, he really does a little bit of everything. He's got his hands on social media from a post standpoint. Uh, uh, but yeah, he he literally does a little bit of everything. He'll he'll go to the national with us and uh, you know just be kind of the right hand man there. Um, so every and, and honestly like. Uh, Matt, like I said, Matt's sitting here. He's not like a, he, he doesn't need a lot of like attention or anything. He's, he's pretty low key, but like we, we moved into a new place and, and had some flooding issues and it could be a freaking weekend and Matt's here helping dry out flooded area. Um, so, I mean, he legitimately like is a part of our family and, uh, Matt's and cool. he's, he's in it for whatever, whatever, whatever we need to make things happen. He's there. So yeah. All good right. Stuff. Next interview is going to be with Matt, the most yeah, beloved right. sorter in all of the breaking industry. I, I see Matt. I, I see dollar signs in his eyes for a raise or something. I don't know. <laughs> that's funny. That's awesome. Um, I take it that's your only hire, right? Do you have a third person that works for you? He's no? our only full-time. And okay. then we outsource like uh, web development and we outsource um, uh, social media and all that kind of stuff. So Whoa. we have a lot of uh, You outsource uh, social media. Like, tell me more yeah. about that. What does that mean? Um, I just have – I have a longtime member of our community who just handles all like I don't post anything on social media. So anything on our Twitter, anything on our Facebook, anything on our Instagram, um, that's all outsourced social media stuff. Um, I just don't. That's one of the things where I was terrible at it. And I, found yeah, I know I found that on my list of things to do in a day, I always put it at the end. And if I didn't get to it, I didn't get to it. And so and that's not acceptable for social media. And right. so, um, yeah, uh, I, I just pay um, one of our guys to handle all of our daily posts and schedule all those out and and handle all of that. And so um, beautiful. That's been a that's the best thing ever because, like I said, for I feel like you're either a social media person or you're not. And when you're not, it's like brutally painful. Yeah. And so to outsource it was just amazing. <laughs> no kidding. Where have you had the most success? Which platform? I, I, honestly, I mean, mixed bag across them. Okay. I feel like I feel like social media these days it's it's tough um to i don't know i it's it's all turned into a marketing play you know what i mean mm -hmm. and so to me social media works while it, in its organic phase and so as it as it transitions into a full-blown money-making marketing you know uh thing i feel like it loses its effectiveness a little bit um and so I mean, I would say they all work, you know, Facebook's probably a little bit better because targeting is a little better. And, um, in our industry, um, conversion would be better there, but we don't do ads. And so it's all just posts or, mm. and if you know anything about Facebook and posts, like they pretty much don't do anything if you don't pay. Right. And so, um, yeah, pretty much our, our social media is there that way. If someone stumbles across our website, clicks on our social media link and they go to our Facebook page or our Twitter or our Instagram, they go, Oh, they're active. You know, and right. it's less about like reaching new customers and more about just making sure we have a presence. If people stop by that, they can see what we're pulling, see what we're breaking, see that we're active, see that we care about, you know, informing people in our channels. So it's so funny. You were like the anti everything everyone else says. <laughs> so good. It's <laughs> great. I, I just have a completely different angle. You know, you like, do. That's good. I just <laughs> and it's working. It's working for you. Right. This is right. It's outstanding. Um, I guess I should probably cover the basis here, but do you sell on eBay? Do you sell breaks on eBay? We do not. Uh, okay. okay. Uh, we, we are not an eBay breaker. Like maybe twice a year we have a break on eBay or something. <laughs> if we do a break on eBay, it's because we do um, like a super high-end product and mm -hmm. we'll do player style. And there's we can't do player on our website. I mean, it'd be ridiculous oh, like yeah. setting it up. And so it's the easiest place if we want to just venture out into a player style. And so I think we did one last year. Is I think immaculate basketball. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think we did a player break of immaculate basketball. And so that's that's it. We don't really do any breaks on eBay though. Got it. Cool. Of course you don't, because yeah. that would be what everyone else does. 
<laughs> I, that, I mean, that, that seemed to be like the trend for how people find customers. I yeah. Mean, and like I said, they're not knocking anyone buying on eBay, but you know, I, the eBay auction customer isn't really the guy who's going to value what we bring to the table. Sure. Um, and so it's just not been a, and not to mention like crap. I mean, in a, in an allocation game, like we're in right now, hmm. I mean, do we really want to be selling product on a platform that takes 10%? Yikes. You know, like that's not a great business move from a, from a margin standpoint. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm not against eBay selling, but it's kind of at the end of the line in terms of, where I want to go. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. That's I mean, you're, you're at a point now where you, you don't need it. Sure. And that's a good spot to be in. So, um, cool. Can we take a quick break? And then I, I would love to, to finish up with the national and then talk about a couple products. Is that cool? Absolutely. All right. Cool. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the national. And I mentioned earlier that I think it's hilarious. You were the first breaker to break at the national, right? Nine years ago yep. in Baltimore. Yep. How, how was that experience, by the way? I'm assuming everyone just welcomed you with open arms, and you were just <laughs> yeah. a you were the kid of the show. <laughs> no, like I mean, if you've ever been to the national, like uh, imagine the national and take away all the technology. And so that's what it was in Baltimore. You know, everyone's got a booth and they've got like as many freaking tables as they can fit around the perimeter as possible. (laughs) And every square inch, I mean, people were putting, you know, boards on the table to extend the tabletop to where they can put stuff further out. And so like every booth, that's how it was. Everything was just crammed with stuff. And then here's my booth and I'm literally taking down tables and asking like the people at the convention center, like, Hey, where can I put these? Cause like, I'm not selling like cards. <laughs> um, and, and they're like, what? what? Like, what is this guy doing? I'm like setting up my computer and like internet and getting my camera set up. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, we, we, we broke in Baltimore. And I remember, uh, Janice at TriStar were the first, um, manufacturer to go, what are you doing? And I, you know, I tell her and, and she's like, do you want to break a, you know, a case of, of TriStar baseballs or whatever? I'm like, let's do it. And so uh, d- open night. I mean, I can't remember how many cases we just burned through cases of TriStar baseballs live at the show. Um, and, and people were like, what is he doing? And, uh, his first, yeah. First experience. Like I, like that was 2010 or 11. 2011. Wow. Yeah. And so, um, I, you know, I was, I just kind of started doing this full time. So it was, I was very just fresh across the board. And, and so, yeah, we just had an open booth where people could come in and ask questions and, um, yeah, I had a computer and broke, man. That's, that's all it was. And so, so good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's funny. I mean, yeah. And how you fast forward to the national these days and it, right. it's essentially centered around the breakers. Sure. And, and I'm actually not part of that, um, uh, part of the national, um, I never, I never did the breaker pavilion thing. Um, we, we always have our own, our own booth. Um, typically we're at, we're, we're with, we're at the end of tops. Um, and okay. just the, uh, because of how the, the national started for us in Baltimore and Baltimore, we had a few of our original customers come out to the show and like mm-hmm. actually just hung out with us the entire show five days and helped. Um, and so, stemming from that and and so every night at night we just go out and there was only like four of them and so every night we'd go out and we'd we'd go out to dinner and i'd pay for their dinner and like it would just be a fun event and and so then the next year maybe we had like uh next year chicago if i remember right and so went to chicago and we had like 15 customers and we're like okay this is cool and and so like started making it kind of an event and then after like three or four nationals we're like man we need we need more space in our booth and so like oh we need two booths so let's get a let's get a double booth and so we get a double booth and and then so every year we've tried to like evolve our booth experience and starting like i don't know starting in the first year in chicago we took everyone to a cubs game then and we went to Cleveland the next year. We took everyone to an Indians game, went back to Chicago, went to a White Sox game. So we've always had to try to have a night out where we just take care of all of our customers who who make it out to the national. Right. Um, and so 
Same thing this year, um, having a big old party on Thursday night, um, running out of venue for them, and we're going to have dinner and entertainment and, and fun, and just all the manufacturers are a huge support of that and just want to thank them for that while I get a chance here. Um, but they give a bunch of, uh, I mean, insane prizes, wax and memorabilia and crazy stuff. So anyway, the Nationals just become kind of like a mecca hmm. for our community. And so the Breaker Pavilion was always it's pretty much a table and you break and the national for us was, was more interactive with people who are actually there. Um, and so, um, yeah, our booth, um, what is it? When are you going to post this? When is this airing? Do you know today? Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I'll give you a nugget that no one else knows about on this earth besides me and Matt. I love chicken but nuggets. Every, Let's hear it. Every year we we try to like take our booth experience at the national to a whole nother level for our customers. And so over the years, like now our booth and, you know, we've got a, a couple sofas, um, stadium seats, mm-hmm. whole living room lounge setup. Um, usually there's a fridge with refreshments, all this stuff going on. Well, this year we are bringing our very own bubble hockey machine. Everyone at our booth will be able to play bubble hockey for free um, at our booth. So, um, yeah, like uh, we, we that's what the national is for us. We want it to be like an interactive, just community based experience for all of our customers. And so we're like, what better way to do that than to like let them beat each other up in bubble hockey. And so <laughs> all right. I'm booth. a noob. I'm a noob here. What exactly is bubble hockey? Bubble hockey is the greatest arcade game ever invented. You've probably seen it before. And you okay. maybe it's literally like it's like foosball, but there's a dome over the whole table and it's a puck and hockey nets and the puck. It's all electronic. It like shoots out of the middle and it keeps track of all your goals electronically. And 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 you you have like six handles, I think five actually. But and you're you're maneuvering all your hockey players and hitting the puck. With, oh wow! I'm looking at it now. You're right. I, I have yeah. seen that. That yeah, that's fun. It's, but it's like the greatest arcade game ever. Um, so much freaking fun. So anyway, we've got that coming to our booth, and we'll have it. It's it's in my office. It's me and Matt have daily like duels. Um, but yeah, we're gonna have it at our booth. So our our booth is centered around people who are there, and we break all day, every day, nonstop from open to close, and just have a good old time uh, hanging out. So amazing. Yeah. It's kind of sad the first time you and I are going to meet in person is going to be at the National in Chicago. But right, hey, we'll I mean, take it. We we'll got to we got to drive what a thousand miles just to uh... <laughs> exactly <laughs> ten minutes away. Uh, that's awesome, man. So bubble hockey. All right, I'm going to make sure I put that in the notes so people know. Go check out the yep. bubble hockey table down by the tops booth. Yeah. Miss us. But I, I would I would argue that NBA Jam was the greatest arcade game, but that's more like okay. Well, well, okay. I'm. I mean, like, I'm trying to. What, what would you call that? Like, like physical, you know, like yeah, you know, that's true. Like, like uh, table game, maybe is that a table? Yeah, there you go, there you go, there you go. Not video game, but like, yeah, table game. There you go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. You, this is sweet. You can get these things for six hundred bucks. There's some really yeah. nice ones for four thousand too. That, um, ours, ours is a super checks, legitimate. Oh, that's like thirty five hundred bucks. Four thousand bucks. It, it, it's all, all the players have clubhouse jerseys on, and. <laughs> It's amazing. Like it, it's this. It's gonna be lit. Oh man, it's amazing. <laughs> Am I allowed to use that word as a thirty-year-old with a kid? <laughs> yes, yes. I I just can't use it as a thirty-six-year-old with six kids. I'm not allowed to use that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um. So w- would you say when you go to the national, you you go there with the intention? And, and I love your approach, right? This is our chance to kind of get away a little bit, spend time with the community. Do you go there with the intent of making money? Oh, we lose so much money. Like it's like unbelievable. I mean, uh, you know, just from, just from a booth standpoint, just to have our booth and internet, I mean, you're at 6,000 bucks right there, Mm -hmm. like gone. And so, and then we do, we do an entire night out that is open to all of our members. We, you know, we're capped by the venue this year at, um, 50, I forget, I think 50. Um, but, um, I mean, that night out is insanely expensive, but it's, the national isn't about money for us. And so it's like, it's worth every penny. Like if, if you ask, if you go back to the question asking what we do for marketing, like all of my, I put all of my, my money, um, into the national and I don't care if it, I don't care if at the national I make money. I don't care if, if I gain a hundred customers from the national or if I gain two, but cu- people that we customers that, that meet us at the national, that see what we're doing at the national, um, they become customers for life. <laughs> and so 
it's the best customers we ever get are at the national or through the national. Um, so it's, um, yeah, it's a no brainer for us. Okay. Do you have a booth number already? Do you have, have uh, it's crap. It's I do. It's two of them. I don't, uh, it's literally tops dead. Like, you know, how cor- corporate's all in the middle together, like tops and panini and all those guys are all in one row. Mm-hmm. We're literally right. We're next to tops at the very end. Nice. <laughs> so should be a nice little, nice little spot. No kidding, man. Now I'm really excited. I got to make some time to spend, <laughs> spend a little time in your booth <laughs> and I should not have typed in bubble hockey while we're on this podcast. Cause I've been distracted. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, all right. So let's talk about your website. So you, you rolled out a new site back in April and this was a big deal to you. Cause you and I were talking over text for a while about it. Um, How's that gone? I guess first off, really good, very okay. good. Yeah. What What was the idea behind the new site? You just tech, I guess, from a technology standpoint, you just weren't there. You weren't. Well, from from a performing? there was a few angles from the site. It was the biggest one was uh, kind of like we hit on earlier. Mm-hmm. I just got to the point where I went, man, we are broadcasting in four different places. Like, and so the the idea over the site was to be a central hub for the breaks where everyone was, everyone was chatting. Yeah. Um, but then also to take all the different aspects of sites and get them all under one roof um so many sites that do like pick your team for instance the all the teams stay in the list after they're even after they're sold and so it's just like annoying to have mm-hmm. to click through and figure out who's actually in stock or not and so i was like all right i want if we if we have pick your team on the site teams have to disappear when they're gone i don't want to i don't want to double sell a team um because that's that's what the biggest thing is that people deal with with pick your teams is mm-hmm. they'll sell They'll sell the Yankees four times because four people had them in cart and they don't have a sophisticated function on the backside that picks one or the other and they all four check out and then they have to refund three of them. Um, and so um, I was like, that's just not acceptable. And so having our, our checkout system is extremely in tune. Um, it's modeled after the um, Major League Baseball playoff ticket system where you're, once you have something in your cart, it's essentially specifically assigned to you for five minutes. And then if you don't check out within five minutes, it gets put back into the, into the pot. And so, um, that's how our site works. Um, and then, um, probably the biggest aspect that our members love are both our reward store, which we've never had a rewards program. Mm. Um, and so we have a reward store that we just put some really fun stuff in that we get from all the events we go to throughout the year. Um, and, we send out a text to anyone who's in a break as we're starting that break. That way we can get rid of all the, Hey, did you do my break yet? Hey, has my break started yet? Right. So now they get a text that has a link to the, to the page to watch. And, um, that goes out whenever we're about to start the break they're in. So yeah, just some of those, some of them, that's not all of them. But that's some of the uh, things that are on our, our website. And then like I said, and uh, hopefully within this month of July, by the end of it, our goal is the national, um, we'll have a major, major rollout for our website um, that nobody knows about. And so um, it's yeah, kind of been, it's been our, well, you, just wait. Um, <laughs> it has been years in the making. Um, it's extremely advanced, um, simple for the user, but advanced in functionality. Um, and it's going to be flat out incredible. So can't wait. Um, it's been my entire life for like the last two years. Wow. Um, during the day. So. You um, you have officially piqued my interest. So tell yeah. tell me, give, give us a little bit of more of a sneak peek. What, what specifically is going to be so cool about this? Um, the way you buy on our new site will make you go, why would I buy anywhere else? <laughs> that's all I can say. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. It's that's it. I mean, yeah, bringing uh, bringing democracy to breaking. Oh. <laughs> There's a tagline for you. Yeah, there you go. All right. So it's 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 amazing. We've so, actually done a little bit of beta, um, okay, and done done extensive just uh, uh, digging with some outside advisors and whatnot. It's it's going to be amazing. Like um, uh, even outside of our industry, the response from from retail segments has been extremely extremely positive. So. Um, it's gonna it's gonna be freaking awesome. Yeah. Well, I can't wait. That's yeah. that's really cool. So you're you're hoping before the national. The, the goal is the goal before the national. Yeah, we've I've got a seven thirty a.m. tomorrow to try to figure out if that timeline is gonna keep 
keep hitting. We have week weekly seven thirty more a.m. meetings um, for status updates. So, weehee! No, uh, no break, breaker life, <laughs> <laughs> right? That's <laughs> uh, that's impressive. Actually, seven thirty means that that reminds me of my technology days for sure. That's <laughs> not so fun. Um, the sign of a good conversation to me is when you can go for forty five minutes and not talk about a product. That, that to me is worth it. Um, but I, I do want to give you a real quick chance to talk about some upcoming products. You got the kind of the rest of July, some big products coming out before sure. the national. Yeah. What two or three are you really excited about? And oh, let's hear it. That's a, that is a really hard one. Um, whew. There's some big hockey ones coming out, right? I mean, you got. Uh, I mean, not really. All of hockey got pushed into August now. So. Oh, gotcha. So like the yeah. ultimate collection and all that stuff. Yep, everything's pushed into August. Yep, the the next hockey is uh, ultimate, which is at the national, I guess, at thirty first of July. Oh, uh, okay, okay. So, which that'd be that'd be fun. Um, good products. Um, but there's so, I mean, there's so many freaking products coming. Um, from I mean, I'm always I know it's unlicensed, but something about immaculate baseball has always been fun for me. <laughs> um, there's obviously there's been good years and bad years. Um, yep. but uh, <laughs> that's always been a fun product. Which is um, the week before the national, yes, right? Twenty fourth, twenty fourth. Okay. Yeah. Um, you've got tribute baseball coming, which is always just a fun one. Mm-hmm. Um, hard signed autos and baseball. One of them that I've always found fun. And I was on the collegiate football train, like before it became popular when it was cheap back in the day. Yep. Um, but immaculate collegiate football, like I'm really looking forward to that. Um, always a fun time. And, um, uh, that'd be at the national as a national release. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by contenders optic basketball, um, as a standalone product. So that'd be fun. Um, yeah, yeah, me too. Next Mem Treasury is coming out next con- Friday too. So. I guess Contenders Optic real quick. That that is eighteen nineteen, right? So we're still looking at right. the the Doncic class. Okay, right. okay. Right. We have Opulence Basketball coming out. That's eighteen nineteen. We have Encase Basketball eighteen nineteen. Uh, Contenders Optic Basketball eighteen nineteen still coming out. Man, yep. They just keep pumping out those last year's class. I know, man. I know. Yeah, we won't get into Zion until what, like end of August, maybe. Yeah, that's true. With uh, with yeah. Contenders college yep yeah yeah yep. for sure uh what what would you say is the the first true kind of you you know the football season starting product that comes out hmm. would you say donruss or would you say something like absolute I mean, or origins sure like i mean donruss obviously just because like that is the first but right i mean i i think origins is like that first one where it's got the hard signed autos, you know, even though they've got the zero zero jerseys on, like, right. <laughs> it's like, uh, hard signed autos pro uni right. origins, I think kind of from the, from the pro side sets that off. But, um, yeah, I, I think, I think that'd be the one if I had to pick one, cause like gold standards coming out, you know what I mean? But like, it's, it's still early in the year and that's today actually gold standard. Um, Sticker mm. autos, you know, I think once you get to those hard sign rookie autos um, outside of, you know, Elite obviously has the pen pals, which is kind of the true first um, pro logo hard sign rookie auto. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I think Origins is one of those first ones where you're like, OK, we've made it to the cream. Right. Yeah, because then right after that, you get all the good stuff. Right. right. Absolute Spectra. Some of the good sure. stuff starts popping up. Um, it's cool. OK. Love it. Well, man, I, I always end conversations with something called rapid fire. Totally quick questions. I just want you to answer off the cuff. Perfect. All right. I'm terrible at these. Good. Everyone is. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we podcast, right? We can edit these out. Right. Right. It's totally horrible. Um, you got to open one hockey product the rest of your life. Which one is it? That is going to be 1112 Dominion Hockey. Cool. Okay. Favorite Kansas City barbecue joint? Mm, Joe's Kansas City. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, try Q39. I'm assuming you live. Oh, right uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's like that. Q39 is like that bougie suburb barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> Says the guy who lives in the plaza. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> that's funny. Um, sh- should the Royals trade Whitmerfield? And you're uh, coming from a Cardinals perspective. I'm about to say, yeah, to the Cardinals. No, it's gonna, <laughs> I mean, I, hey, look, Royals probably should because Royals are a team that is built to contend like every 20 years, and that's not knocking them. That's just how they're built. And so, um, I think they need to keep towards that vision. 
And so if they can get some good return, I think it's a smart move. Okay. You get to pick one player to sit with you while you open break for an entire night. Which player is it? Brett Hall. Brett Hall. Okay. They're doing a uh, documentary of the clubhouse 20 years from now. Which actor plays Michael? And which actor plays Matt? How about that? Oh, geez. Uh, Pete Davidson plays Matt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, um, man, me? That's tough. I mean, who? like, who? I don't know, man. Like, pe- people always called me Norm growing up because I look like Norm MacDonald, but, like, he... He would be in twenty years. He'd be like old, old. <laughs> he, um, he might not be here. <laughs> no, may, maybe like a uh, I don't know, like a uh, Miles Teller or something. All right, nice. Yeah. I thought maybe you'd go Paul Rudd or something. Kansas oh, I mean City Paul guy. Rudd actually is not a bad one because like he's he is a pretty good glimpse of my personality type. Can be serious, can be funny. Yeah, I, I, Paul Rudd's a good one. Kansas City boy. I'll go with that. I like it. <laughs> Thanks for answering my own rapid fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I'll, <laughs> I'll need to edit out me talking for you. Right. <laughs> That's but speaking of Paul Rudd, did you see that new commercial he had? No. Which one? I, I, it's probably not a great commercial if I can't remember who the actual <laughs> company was, but it's him like talking to this lady saying, hey, uh, you remember me, right? And she's like, no, I don't know who you are. I, I don't, we don't know each other. And they end up going and sitting down at a restaurant and talking for like five minutes and they realize – it doesn't matter. You didn't see the commercial, but incredibly funny commercial. If you haven't seen huh. it, no, I've not seen that. He's become a bona fide star. Tesla. Do yeah, it. I was gonna say he's become a bona fide star. It's kind of cool. oh yeah. I mean, yeah, he's definitely taken that Ant Man role and turned it into. I mean, he's he's an A lister. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, but anyway, well, cool, Michael. Seriously, thank you so much. Um, real quick, tell people where to find you and any last thoughts you have, and then we'll. Uh, We'll go our several ways. Awesome. You can find us at clubhousebreaks.com. If you're on Facebook, our group name is The Clubhouse. Also a good spot to be at. Um, yeah, appreciate having uh, you having me on and uh, looking forward to meeting you at the National. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Go enjoy the rest of this crazy Kansas City weather. <laughs> appreciate it, man. All right, brother. See you. Bye.